All right, so yeah, we're starting over now. Does that sound pretty good? That sounds great, Steve. Let's do this. All right. Um, hey, Mike. Uh, what do you want to do? Hey, how about a podcast? You want to do a podcast? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. This is the What Do You Guys Want to Do podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ferris, and this is my guest here, Mike Bromberg. Hey. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're doing Wayne's World, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm the Garth in this situation. Yeah, There's maybe, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being Garth, you know. Yeah, you can be, you can be Garth if you want to be. Um, I think I'd like to do that for a future Halloween. Last uh, Halloween, I was at a at a at a what you call it um, night night uh, club type place, and there was, you know, everyone was dressed up, and there was a Garth, a Wayne and Garth couple, and. It's like, oh, that's really, I know people have been doing that for probably 20 years, but the first time I've actually seen that, and I um, thought it was pretty neat. They had the whole, the whole get-up on, and, and uh, maybe it's just a nostalgia thing, but uh, I think that was, that was a pretty cool, cool costume. I mean, it works if it's, you know, you got a, a wife or girlfriend or significant other or just a buddy, of course, to do it with, but... Um, Still, it caught my eye. Do you feel kind of like uh, Dumb and Dumber was like Wayne's World three? Dumb and did you see the new one? By the way, I have I I have not. I did. Yeah, I I was kind of wondering if maybe that was Wayne's World four. Wayne's World four. There were only two Wayne's Worlds, right? Yeah, but I mean, if Dumb and Dumber was Wayne's World three in a sense. Then wouldn't Dumb and Dumber Two be Wayne's World Four? Wait, why would Dumb and Dumber be Wayne's World Three? I don't know. When you started talking about Wayne's World, I was just thinking about the feeling of Wayne's World, and it made me think of Dumb and Dumber. It's like the characters are similar, and I can see people dressing up as Lloyd and Harry for Halloween or something too. Well, yeah, you could, but. You'd have to, like, chip your tooth or something, wouldn't you, to get the, uh, I mean, I don't know. The, I guess you could use some, what, black licorice gum or something. But I, I, I don't think I've seen that costume. Have you? I haven't seen it, no. I already have a chipped tooth, so I could probably, like, well, you can't really tell, even if, like, the filling that I had put on is gone. But, yeah, you could put on some, like, like a Sharpie. You could, like, put a Sharpie on your teeth or something? Hmm. I don't really equate the two. I think Wayne's World is is uh, not nearly as dumb as... The, in fact, I think Wayne's World's got a lot of really smart humor. It's got a lot of writing, too. Not that there isn't writing in Dumb and Dumber, but, you know, it's, uh, it's not a silly, balls-out... Uh, stupid like dumb and dumber is I, I i wouldn't think okay you know i don't know i don't I, i'd have i have to see the original dumb and dumber again because it's been a while uh but i i don't think of those i don't know i, I can't i don't compare that those two movies it just seems they're a whole different genre of comedy you know yeah well 
My question was, is Dumb and Dumber Wayne's World 3? And I think that pretty much answers it. Yeah, so. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Um, I suppose they could do a Wayne's World 3. I don't, I don't know why they couldn't, but... Well, um, they've, they've done, like, guest spots on they SNL did. and stuff. They did. They or did, um, I don't know, what was it two or three years ago, I think they did something. But, uh, but I don't know about a feature film since... Both of those guys have probably uh, got enough money. The um, Dumb and Dumber was that you liked it. It was a good good movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, they they redid some of the same gags. I know it's gotten bad reviews, which I haven't read. Um, I don't know the the original is such a classic film. I think it's hard to like get that again. Plus, like they're a lot older, and Jim Carrey like. I don't know, he's changed a lot, I feel like, over the years. You know, I know he dealt with depression and stuff like that. And I don't know, he had some really good moments in the movie, but there's just something about him that was different. Like, not as believable as that character? Um, no. It was just, I mean, it wasn't maybe necessarily not believable, but you could definitely tell that whether it was Jim Carrey or the character, you know, whoever it was, was somebody who had gone through some sort of drastic change. Hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. A drastic change. I don't know. I, I could just be over-dramatizing it, too. Maybe if I watched it again, I would feel differently. But overall, you like the movie. Yeah. yeah. Just, just not as good or not... Well, it didn't meet your expectations, I should ask I, w- I wouldn't say that. I, yeah, I don't know. I think I'll have to watch the original and then watch the new one again. Probably just to... Did you see it with the girlfriend? Is it a date movie? Yeah, yeah, it was a, we did a date. So she, She's seen the original and a few other Jim Carrey movies, so... And she liked it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... I guess that could be a good date movie, but it really depends on, on the date since it's such a, uh, uh, a, you know, silly, goofy type of humor. You got to make sure that you're both in that kind of mood, right? Yeah, and I think we definitely were. The week before, we had seen Rosewater. And, oh, that uh, was a John Stewart movie, right? Yeah. yeah. How was that? Um, it was pretty good, you know. Um, Definitely more somber, you know, than Dumb and Dumber 2, so. Yeah, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't have any, it wasn't funny, right, Rosewater, or was it? Oh, I think there were some funny scenes, sure. I mean, you can't really have um, Gael Garcia Bernal and not have some funny scenes, like, he's just kind of a funny looking guy. Huh. But it wasn't supposed to be funny. I think the parts that were funny were supposed to be funny. Okay. Like, you know, John Stewart's a comedian. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to put, like, some funny stuff in there. Yeah, I saw a clip um, the other day. Of, I haven't really watched a show in forever. I'll just see clips uh, here and there on the Internet. And uh, But I... Really, I respect him a lot. He, he had, um, I think, Bill O'Reilly on 
don't know if you saw that or at least the clip. And you know, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's got his new book. His you know, what is it? His seventh book or eighth book or something. Which um, <laughs> it was funny because clearly John Stewart was not interested in promoting his book. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, here's your book. It's like your eighth book, whatever. And then and then he goes into the whole you know interview. Um, because it would seem that Jon Stewart's not the biggest Bill O'Reilly fan, as you could imagine. Yeah. Um, but they, 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 the whole thing was about um, the race, you know, race relations in, in the country, and, and uh, um, I guess stemming from this whole conversation that came out of the whole Ferguson incident and all that. Have you have you followed that or? Uh, uh, have any thoughts about all that stuff that happened in Ferguson? Um, I don't know. Some people at work were watching it, and I was seeing how people were lighting cars on fire and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, you know? I think it's the kind of thing where it's like I can, like, judge all the people that are, like, reacting negatively towards it and stuff. You know, be, I can judge them because I can say, well, they weren't right there when it happened. You know, maybe a couple of those people were, but most of them weren't. But I wasn't there either, and I'm not there right now, so I don't really think there's a whole lot that I can really say about it. You know, I know it's going on, but... The only solution that I would see that... Uh I would imagine would be uh, something that could uh, make these things less of an issue in the future would be the whole idea of having body cameras. You know, Obama wants to have body cameras and some, some cities already do this. Do um, you think that's a good idea? Body cameras? Yeah, so on that the, police officers cops, yeah. would have body cameras so that way, you know, it, there would be less chance of... of um, of uh, escalation and whatnot. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, it seems to me like that would be a reasonable way to uh, uh, hold people accountable, but who knows if that would change anything or not. I suppose if something like this were to happen, of course it seems to happen quite often, if there was a body camera then at least we could have um, uh, another side of the story uh, you would think a more object you know uh, um, uh, an objective side so we can actually see you know because the whole thing about that whole Ferguson thing is that there are all these different witnesses and um, some of them agreed with each other and some of them didn't, you know they were they were all over the board as to uh, what what um, what they say occurred, which is is expected, you know, with eyewitness ter testimony, it's there's there's no reliability, uh, I don't think, but um, it gives you something anyway. It gives you some information. The problem is, is you know, it's it's hard to really uh, go on, go from that and go, okay, well, do we look at these three witnesses? Do we look at those three that you know some supported the cop, some supported the you know the uh, the victim, and it, you know it's hard to really make anything 
from that. Um, at least it was in this case. But I, I suppose with the camera, you'd be able to uh, see, you know, did he put his hands up? Did he charge the cop? You know, all these things that were sort of kind of up in, in um, you know, speculation on, on to what actually occurred. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe that would be a, a, a good deterrent for these, these types of things. It seemed like Obama was, was, um, was for that. I didn't understand, though, you know, the mayor of Sacramento, Kevin Johnson, I don't know if you saw this, but he came out and he was, he was pretty irritated with the whole thing. And he came out and he spoke in front of, you know, had a, not a press conference, but, you know, uh, well, I guess it was a press conference after they had the verdict when he said he was disappointed with the whole thing. And... Uh, I don't know. To, I mean, you would expect that because he's black, I suppose, that, the media, you know, of course, if you're black, you would go on this side, and if you're, you know, a different race, you'd be on the other side. But it was just odd because, you know, here you had this high-profile um, uh, politician who um, you would think has a respect for the uh, due process of law, and to which he even said that, you know, he, he, he's all for due process, and yet, you know, he was, he was pretty, um, it hit him on an emotional level, and then you've got people, I just saw an article from, um, I think, uh, uh, Charles Bark Barkley, he, he was on the other side saying, no, you know, you, you look at the, the forensic evidence, and you you know, you, you look at what happened and it's, he doesn't, he, he, he's actually one that supports the, uh, the grand jury's decision despite being black and despite, you know, um, uh, you know, being someone that you might expect to, to say otherwise. Because all the, the high profile uh, African American leaders are, you know, saying here's yet another instance of racial profiling and on and on and on. It was nice uh, or interesting, I think, to see <laughs> somebody, um, somebody like uh, that, this NBA started, to say, no, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna take the predictable road here and I, I, I see merit to the, uh, to, you know, the facts and evidence of, of, of you know, what actually transpired in this decision. So, uh, I see myself looking at both sides, but I didn't think it was right for Kevin Johnson to come out and just say, yeah, this is wrong, uh, you know, because it's, it's, they were working in the confines of, of the system, even if the system is flawed, uh, they were, since there was no camera, right, it was who's to say who is, you know, telling the truth and what really is justified. Some say the guy was just doing his job. Others say the whole thing was BS, right? But Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really been following it a whole lot, like I said. Yeah. But uh, you've definitely shed some light on it for it me. Just, it just reignited the whole racial... Uh, conversation in, in the country is what it did. It took something that is yet another instance of, you know, uh, white cop 
black victim. Uh, and some of these circumstances, maybe the cop was just doing the cop's job and it was just bad luck. Some of these, maybe it really was a whole racial thing because the, the uh, you know, the cop was just, uh, uh, you know, looking at things in not as an objective way as he should have. So it's, it's, it's hard to say. In this circumstance, the cop was a young guy. So it's not like he'd been like on the beat for 30 years or anything. He'd only been a cop, I think, for two or three years. So um, not that you can't still be racist, but he, he was relatively new to the game, if that means anything. But... Um, it probably does, because I remember this one time. I came home from work, or maybe it was something else, but I think it was I was coming home from work, right? And there was a cop car, like, blocking the road. And, you know, but I could go around it if I went into the lane of oncoming traffic, but there wasn't any oncoming traffic. And so I just kind of pulled up, and there was an officer standing there, and I asked him, hey, is it all right if I go around? And he's like, no, you're on the wrong side of the road. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went to back up, and he's like, we'll go now. And he's just like this young punk cop. I was like, damn, like, he's got this attitude and stuff. So I think that probably had a lot to do with it. To do with what? I mean, do you think that, but... That doesn't necessarily mean that he was racist, though. No, I know. But, like, being a younger cop, like, he probably didn't have, like, the same, the same judgment or the same, like, uh, relaxed. You know, he's probably a lot more scared. Because he hadn't been a cop for that long. Maybe yeah. insecure about being a cop. Or just I don't like know, cause that could go both ways, you know. As a younger guy, you could feel more confident in in your invincibility, right? Because you're you're the law, you're you're the police, uh, and people need to listen to you. And if you tell them to back away or stay on the sidewalk or whatever, they need to listen, right? Because you're uh, it, it, that could be a a um, and a, 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 the, the byproduct of, of being the young guy, though, right, as well. Well, maybe, but, I mean, if you're, like, the young cop, it's, like, you don't know what works. Like, an older, more experienced cop has, like, done all this before. He knows how to tell people, you know, to get out of the street and stay on the sidewalk in a way that will actually work, you know. So he knows what... He knows how he has to say it. Whereas, Here's the problem, though, right. is that the older cop also might have witnessed a lot of uh, crime, in, as, as one would expect, in, you know, down neighborhoods or maybe stereotypically black neighborhoods or seeing a lot of crimes committed by black people, which would uh, fuel their, you know, the thought process, uh, thought process. Oh, this guy looks like a thug. Um, he probably is a thug, and I need to treat him as such. 
you know, so that could that could backfire in, in that that context too, I would think, because you've been there and done that, you know what really goes on despite race, but you know you see this guy who look, kind of looks like a thug, and you already got your whole story in your head. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen, like, a buddy cop movie before where they have, like, two cops that go around in a car and stuff, and then the whole movie is about some kind of adventure that they go on? Yeah. So, like, a lot of times they'll put, like, an older cop with a younger cop, so maybe that's... Maybe they should, like... Pull yes. some ideas from Hollywood. Put a black cop with a white cop, which, of course, I'm sure has been in a gazillion movies. But, hey, maybe that might um, uh, add some, some dimensions to the whole racial thing there because they both come from, you know, that, that world, and yet they have to communicate with each other as the, uh, as the dynamic duo that they are. Mm -hmm. What's your what's your favorite uh, buddy cop movie, by the way, if if that comes to mind? Oh shoot, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know which. I one think the is. most recent one, or the one that just came to my mind, was that one with uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. The other guys. Uh, I think that's what. Yeah, the other guys, right? Yeah. That was, um, did, you didn't, did you see that? Um, I don't know if I saw the whole thing. I saw parts of it. That is a hilarious, that is a really funny movie. And, um, uh, and not that that has anything to do with race, but um, it just made me think of that when you're talking about buddy cop movies. There's probably been a bunch, though, with a, you know, black cop, white cop thing, I imagine. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Yeah, 48 yeah. Hours. Yeah. Uh, another 48 Hours. Lethal Weapon 2. Like that. Same. Black, black cop and a white right, cop. Right, right. Um, I need to revisit a bunch of movies from the 80s. Because <laughs> it's like, oh man, I haven't seen this one or that one in, you know. 20 years or something. Uh, Cop Out, Bruce Willis, and um, what's, what's his name, the comedian, uh, 30 Rock. Uh, oh, uh, I can't think of it. But anyway, so seems like we're going to be hearing about that in the news for the next uh, couple months. <laughs> oh, Tracy Morgan, that's right. Oh, yeah, Tracy Morgan, that's right. Uh, Lethal Weapon 3. We could just spend the next <laughs> hour just naming Lethal Weapon movies, I'm pretty sure. They made four of them, right? Uh, at least. I, I lost track. Yeah. Um, because I don't, I think I only saw one or two of them, if I'm not mistaken. But it's one of those things where you always see part of one, uh, you know, on TV. And so I, I've probably seen like 10 minutes of every movie, but I just didn't know it because it was just like, oh, it's a lethal weapon movie. You know? But um, I'll have to, I'll have to see those again.
Yeah. It's also one of those things that there's all these movies that I remember being really good, and then I'll see it a decade later, and then I'll go, man, this was not nearly as good as I remember. And I hate that because I wanted to have this good, good memory, you know, uh, of this movie, and it just wrecked it by somehow not living up to whatever image I had in my mind from seeing it in 1986 or whatever. <laughs> um, it's like Robin Hood Men in Tights. I remember liking that and then I saw it many years later and then I was like, oh, this is kind of corny and, and it just kind of, it was not the movie I remember. It was disappointing. Yeah, well, I find that happens a lot with movies that I saw when I was a kid, but yeah, yeah, not always, you know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the movies that I liked when I was a kid, I like even more. As Doesn't an adult. it never happens with Disney movies for some reason? That 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 is that is the beauty of Disney movies. I remember, I'll, you know, I'll see like, you know, when I was five, you know, like Lady and the Tramp, and then. Uh, 20 years later I'll see it I'll be like man this was just as I re like I, I, I understand it more now than I, when I was 5 because there's some adult stuff in that movie and I'm like well I, I, I'm it's almost better because now I get all these jokes or things that I you know didn't really understand when I was 5 um, so I love it when that happens when it's when it's like well man I'm I had no idea how great this was because I was, you know, in kindergarten when I last saw it. Um, but uh, what was the last? So the last movie you saw was uh, Dumb and Dumber. Um, what was that? Well, that's the last movie I saw in theaters. Uh, the last movie I saw. Oh, I rewatched uh, The Party. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorites. Peter Sellers, I'll have to see that. Yeah, I just got it on Blu-ray, so I gave my <laughs> DVD copy to my parents. Well, I'm pretty sure it wasn't shot in high definition, so is it? You, you can just see the graininess that much clearer. Is that how it works? Well, yeah, you can see all the detail that much clearer because. Uh, I mean, it, it, to me, it's like it's like seeing uh, it's like saying, "Oh yeah, I just got Casablanca in uh, in Blu-ray." <laughs> Yeah. Well, no. It's gonna. You're gonna see more detail, and a lot of times they'll restore it better because you can see more detail. So you, they'll remove more graininess than they would if they were doing it on DVD. Hmm. And of course, the technology for removing the graininess is better as well. So, I mean, I got Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times, which which is from, I think, was made in the 30s. And uh, it looks fantastic. I mean, it almost looks like watching a film. Uh, you know, whereas watching it on DVD or especially VHS, well, I don't even know why I mentioned that, but, you know, definitely. Well, I get that. I know there's a huge difference between VHS and DVD for sure, but. Um, the difference between VHS and Blu ray is even, even greater. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking DVD and Blu ray for these films that clearly weren't mastered for, you know, high definition. But, I mean, I, I guess I see what you're saying. It just seems like you would be either really seeing that, boy, that's some really sharp graininess, you know? Yeah. Um, 
unless they really went to town on you know, on removing the graininess, but I haven't really seen too many movies where they've done that. Um, at least they, I doubt they did that with, you know, The Party or some of these more obscure movies, right? Well, I mean, they're coming off of masters from, uh, you know, 35mm and 70mm film, which really have more detail in them than Blu-ray does, so... If you really want to see the full thing, I mean, the next step after Blu-ray is going to be 4K, and you can already get some movies in that. But even then, you know, I don't know. At a certain point, like, if if you have enough pixels, then you can zoom in and you'll just get blurriness, so it won't make any difference at all. And I think 4K definitely approaches that. You ever seen a movie in 70 millimeter? Um, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of, like, the theaters now are all going digital, but um, before that, I think a lot of films and theaters were shown in 70 millimeter. No. It no? Was, no, it was... It's all 35? 35, yeah. Oh. You had to go to a special place, like an art house. I know this because when I was a kid, there were some rare occasions where, uh, I didn't really understand this as a kid, but my dad would... would uh, tell me that, because uh, I think I saw Around the World in 80 Days, you know, the original in 70 millimeter, which was, uh, you know, which is a big deal, and, uh, but that, 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 not that I'm an expert in this, but I know that it, it was not common to have, you know, anything other than the regular 35 millimeter, and I think it's sad that most, most theaters are, are digital now, like, I, I just remember when it was still mainly film, but you know, every so often there'd be a, um, one of the newer theaters would have like the one screen that was all digital. Like, oh, okay, that's kind of neat. But now they're pretty much all digital, right? Um, I don't know the exact off the top of my head. I would guess that it's probably like mostly fifty percent, maybe. I saw I saw Mockingjay over the weekend, which I really liked, and um, pretty sure that was that. Like most of the theaters around here, uh, or at least the main mainstream theaters, I, I think are all digital. But I, I could be wrong. But uh, Mockingjay was really good. I, I was really glad I saw that. I, I still have to finish the book. I'm almost done with the second book, and then I have to read the third. That was one of the better movies I think I've seen in a while. Yeah, well, all the digital theaters are, you know, projected in 4K, um, which is basically four times HD. So it's good enough that if you watch it in the theater, you really can't tell the difference between that and a 35 millimeter film. And then you have Cinerama. Do you know what Cinerama is? Yeah. Um, as I understand it, in fact, one of my very favorite movies was originally shot in Cinerama. It's uh, where they have a curved screen, and they project onto the curved screen, and then you sort of get surrounded by it a little bit. Yeah, there's yeah. Like three different projectors. Okay. Uh, and, um, so it's three sections of the screen, and it's all projected into one, one image. 
I didn't even know this at the time, this was a long time ago, but apparently in the theater of the show that I, of the, of the screening I happened to see, was sitting there was Quentin Tarantino. Oh, like, wow. he's a big, like, movie nerd, cinema nerd guy, right? And so I guess he had heard about that they had the Cinerama thing going on in Dayton, Ohio, and went there to, to see it, I, I assume, because he's, he's just uh, a geek, you know, that way. And, but at the time, I didn't, I had heard about it after the fact, or somebody, because I didn't know what he looked like, like, I, I wasn't into his movies or anything at the time, so I didn't even know, but I wish I would have known, so I could have looked over and been like, oh, crap, that's Quentin Tarantino sitting over there. Uh, but, uh, sort of like the aftermath of the, uh, oh, did you know that so-and-so was in the restaurant, and you just ate at the restaurant, and you're like, what? <laughs> that but um, but yeah that was I don't know if they still have theaters that, that show that but I just remember it being three different projectors showing a, you know, one image and it all I mean you could tell that where one image started and stopped but it was close enough where you know it still looked like it was uh, it was it was one image so it was, it was pretty cool but pretty low tech by today's standards Still need though if you're you know, a cinema geek. But uh, yeah, probably the biggest thing they got going now that's not old school, you know, the, the other direction is the IMAX. They were talking to the guy when they because they were showing uh, Interstellar, which I've heard very divided things about. I suppose some people really like it because of its scope and. Uh, depth of it, but then other people were like, man, I just wasted three hours of my life, and it was, it was, it was just, don't waste your money. Uh, so I haven't seen it yet, but they've been showing it on the IMAX, and they saw, I don't know, some program on TV where they interviewed the guy at the IMAX theater, and it's, you know, it's, it's just huge. The, uh, they showed the, how, you know, if you can imagine three hours of IMAX film and just uh, it was quite a setup how they were able to um, to uh, to get that you know, together for, uh, for for that kind of a, of a production. The, the technology that goes into that is pretty impressive. But um, I don't know. I, I'll probably wait for DVD on that one. So um, I think it's one of those hard to understand, kind of deep, uh, weird, um, you know, complicated movies like Inception or something. Yeah. I liked Inception a lot, but I don't know, it was weird going back and watching it again was kind of a drag. Like, I really, I really liked it the first time, and I even wanted to own it, but then I was just like seeing it again. And uh, I get kind of sick of Marion Cotillard or whatever her name is. Like, I don't know, she just kind of bugs me for some reason. Although, like, even, I don't know, it's weird because, like, the first time I watched the movie, she didn't bug me. Or, wait. No, the first time I watched it, she bugged me more. 
And then the second time I watched it, she didn't bug me as much. But I didn't like the movie as much. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Uh, not really. <laughs> the movie, you just, the more you watched, the more you didn't like it, is what you were saying, basically. I guess so, yeah. Well, it's just so long, and it's like, yeah, it's good. Maybe that's what I didn't like about it. It's like, it's so good that it makes me want to waste three hours of my life again. But then I'm like, yeah, but now I'm, it's like a, an addictive relationship, you know? It's like you want to keep coming back, but then it, it's bad because, like, you're wasting your time. I would have to see it in doses. That's the thing. I, I did see it. I don't, I just, I think I just saw it once in the theater, and I think I would like to see it again because I, I probably would understand it better, and, you know, I remember it having some really great visuals. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing it again, but I, I, I feel like I, I should probably see it in doses. Did you see, um, you saw The Wolf of Wall Street, right? I haven't seen that yet, no. Uh, that movie <laughs> also divided audiences because um, I, I liked it. I, I liked the acting, I liked Leonardo DiCaprio, I liked, uh, I, I just, I, I liked the whole Martin Scorsese um, thing, but it's incredibly long. I think it's, yeah, it's got to be near three hours. And the only way to see that movie is to see it like one hour at a time, which is what I did. I saw it on DVD, I saw an hour, and then I stopped it, and then maybe saw another hour the next day, and, you know, over a weekend, something like that. And it was good. I liked it. But people that saw it at the theater or saw the whole thing, they just, they said, enough already. I'm, I'm tired of this. I can't take any more because there's a lot of like people doing drugs and a lot of craziness. It's a wild movie, and it just kept going on and on and on. It was very redundant if you like sit through the whole thing, and um, I can see that. But that's why I, I'm like, no, no, no. You have to stop it after an hour, kind of let it digest, and then you'll see it another. Hour. And, and, and it makes a difference to me anyway because if. If uh, you try to see the whole thing, not only have three hours just gone by, but if you just are exhausted and you say to yourself, man, I, I've seen so much of, you know, people doing all these vulgar things and all the cocaine and all the pills and everything. It's like, it just beats you over the head with it. And um, there's only so much I think people can take. And three hours definitely crosses the line, I think. And, and uh, um, there's only so many movies where you can really get away with the th whole three-hour thing. Because there are some great three-hour movies. Don't get me wrong, but there, you know, those are the exceptions to the rule. Uh, you know, Avatar was close to three hours, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. And um, you know, the story wasn't anything spectacular, but the visuals were so. So spectacular, were so special that it was that in and of itself was the you know most engaging part of the whole film because you, know, you saw where the story was going probably from the very beginning, um, which maybe was the case with Interstellar. I don't know. It, must, it was probably a real visual type thing. 
but Wolf of Wall Street was it was good acting, but there was it wasn't like the visual thing. It was all you know uh, rich people doing crazy things and people taking quaaludes, and, and it, it was uh, it was just like a really uh, long live-action actors movie, which in this case was, you know, they, they went overboard, but uh, see it a little at the time and it's, it's not so bad, which is probably what I would do with Inception. I'd see part of it and try to digest that and then see another part because, uh, like you, I might get, it might be too much to try to see it all at once. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll have to try that sometime. And I, and I like to finish what I start. I don't like to stop things, but in, that, in those cases, it, it makes sense because it, it's just, um, you know, it's just so, t some of these movies can be so tiring if you, you try to, to, uh, to do the, the whole thing like that. Yeah, and if it doesn't have, like, a plot it's like where you have to find out what happens next, then it makes sense to do that, too. Yeah, like... I didn't see Gone Girl yet. I read the book. I want, I want to see the movie, but Gone Girl, I, I think it was two hours and a half or something to that effect. But because of its nature and it being sort of a mystery, uh, I would imagine that that would be a very thrilling, engaging movie, and you don't realize it's that long, in part because it's got a great director, but also that it's, you know, you keep wanting to figure out, because the book was a page-turner anyway, you know, What's going to happen? Are you going to find out? You know who did it, and this and that, and and, uh, and that's different. But when you just see Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, uh, uh, getting high for two and a half hours, and there's still another half an hour of movie left, you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, we get it. You you like drugs and you're rich. We get it. You know. There's, there's no, there's no real reason to want to, to keep watching except for going. Are you gonna, you know, go to prison already? You know, like, <laughs> please just die or do something. Uh, so, but um, I'll have to see Inception again, if anything, to uh, try to make more sense of it. Because I think, like most people, I didn't, I didn't get everything, nor should I have probably the the, uh, the one and only time I, I did see it because uh, I think they did in that movie I remember they it's like as if they wanted to to hey why don't we push it one step further you know we have the dream within the dream within the dream or whatever it was where everyone's in the audience scratching their head going oh are Really? Are you really doing that? <laughs> That's uh, somebody was, you know, whoever was writing this thing was was really um, going to the uh, to the extreme as to how far can we take this concept. I wonder. I wonder what happens if you watch Inception or just let it play while you're asleep. I wonder if that like inspired um, 
the casting choices for uh, Interstellar because Sandra Bullock was in that movie while you were sleeping. So if that's where they got the idea for that. She was also in Gravity, yeah. which I'm guessing Interstellar is sort of this kind of you know, weird space movie, right? Yeah. Wait a minute. Is Sandra Bullock in Interstellar? Alright, I got it mixed up with gravity, I think, then. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Interstellar is the, is, is the same guy that did Inception, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same guy that did gravity. Right. Oh, shoot. It was Sandra Bullock who was still in while you were sleeping, though. Yeah, yeah. I got that part right. I don't know. I guess what you're getting at is, does any part of the movie like get into you if it's playing and you're sleeping? And um, I guess it just depends how much of a deep sleeper you are. If you're like a deep sleeper, then I don't know if it would have any effect. But if you're sort of a light sleeper, maybe it would kind of seep into your subconscious or something. But there's been studies on that. I don't know if, if that has any merit, but. It'd be freaky if, like, you played some really, like, scary movie, you know, like, uh, with the, the serial killer or whatever, and and then you fall asleep and have that on, like, if that would, that would do anything to you, <laughs> uh, assuming that you're not, like, the type that, you know, really likes those movies, because normally you probably wouldn't see it, because it, you know, scares the, the bejesus out of you and you get nightmares and all that. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it does something to you, sort of like the Matrix, where things can get in your head, even though you weren't aware that you know you obtained that information. But that's kind of reaching, I think. Sandra Bullock. She's been in a movie with Matthew McConaughey, hasn't she? Yes, she was in. A Time to Kill. That's right. With Matt Great movie. Yeah, and Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson, Kevin Spacey. That was the first uh, novel of uh, John Grisham. Oh. Time to Kill, yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson was in Star Wars. So, I mean, that kind of, that's kind of like interstellar. In uh, a way. Probably the well, I don't want to say anything bad about Star Wars, but Interstellar is like the, uh, you know, the uh, complex, deep, like psychological, you know, uh, layered, very cinematic. Well, Star Wars is cinematic too, but, but uh, you know what I mean. Star Wars is a space opera. It's it's. Uh, it's like a soap opera, right, as opposed to Interstellar, which is trying to get into some really deep, like, themes about, you know, humanity and life and all that, probably. By the way, they just came out with the trailer for the new Star Wars movie. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, I, I watched that. But um, all the uh, geeks are out uh, in full force on that, trying to figure out if they can learn things about from the um, 80 seconds trailer or however long it was. 
Rebels. <laughs> so, uh, I guess that's exciting for the Star Wars community, right? Yeah. Let's see if J.J. Abrams can, can pull it off. I bet, I was, what? I was saying, it must be a big deal. Like, I, I mean, I, I wonder how much George Lucas still consults or whatever on it since it's his baby even though I know he, he sold the company um, but that must put a lot of you know I mean I, I, I don't know how much of a, a Star Wars game J.J. Abrams is but just think about it you're, you're, you now have in your hands this um, this phenomenal this phenomenon that uh, is, is loved by the whole world you know talk about pressure well, I think he's probably feeling less pressure than George Lucas would feel if he was doing it. Maybe. But George Lucas has been there and done that, though, right? I mean, he's already, you know, done uh, all, the, all these movies and the, 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 all the shows and spinoffs and books and things that have come off that, so he's think that um, he's already had that moment where he's, he says maybe even before the the first prequels you know okay now it's it's X amount of years later we've got all this technology and I've got all this money okay maybe there's some pressure there but now I don't know if he would have pressure at all because he's already achieved a lot you know? well I know but he also like people hated the prequels so much compared to the originals, you know, then this time people would be expecting him to... Did people hate all three prequels? I think so, yeah. Well, it's... some people like one and then not the other two, but... I liked the last prequel. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I thought most of it sucked, but I like it the best out of the three just for... The one part where you see Darth Vader suit pressurized for the first time. But I mean, there's like a bunch of scenes like with Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor when they look like they're about to crack up. Well, like, come on, all those movies, even the originals, were, were not known for acting. George yeah, Lucas but, was uh, notorious for not being the best of directors because the, the acting is consistently. <laughs> I mean, nobody watches that in an acting class, you know what I mean? It's, 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 um, there were times I remember in one of the originals where it's just, it's, it's as if it was the first take or something and, and you wonder how did that stay in the movie because that was such a fake laugh or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 uh, the acting was not... <laughs> Uh, what what those movies were known for, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point. But still, like you can see like smirks on their faces, and it's supposed to be like this dramatic moment. But it's like Natalie Portman is like trying with everything that she can to keep from laughing. We're talking about like Anakin killing younglings or something like that. Well, that's surprising because she is, you know, she's a pretty talented actress. As is, and Ewan McGregor's, you know, he's, he's uh, known to be, you know, 
quite good too. So I, I, uh, it's hard to believe that that would be, you know, that that they would do that. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Either they're, either Lucas really is a, not the best of directors, at least as far as the acting is concerned, or there is, um, you know, something else going on there. But that's, I don't, you know, I don't understand that because they're. You know, they're a pretty serious, um, you know, uh, film actors, or at least they've, they've done a lot of great work, especially Natalie Portman with, you know, Black Swan and everything. Well, it seemed like the dialogue was just so bad that there was no way that they could deliver the lines with a straight face. Well, I guess you could argue that was a problem with all the movies, <laughs> right? Maybe that's what some of the actors had to deal with in the first, uh, you know, the, uh, the first two. I don't know. Can't, I don't think you can, I don't know if you can really blame the actors for the dialogue. Well, I don't know. That's, that's, that's hard to say. Well, I think you can blame George Lucas for the dialogue. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying, like, it was so bad that, and they had to say those lines, apparently. And it just it was really hard for them to take it seriously. At least that's how it looks. I don't know. They, it always looks to me like they're about to crack up. Hmm. Well, maybe the acting will be stronger with J.J. Abrams. I don't know. But um, I guess we'll find out. It was never you know, the kind of movie that you expected to great acting. The Hunger Games, I don't know if you've seen any of those, but I was really impressed. The acting is, is, has, been, has been pretty uh, fantastic with those films. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is, does a great job, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, too, the, which the movie was dedicated to him. You know, it was so sad because, gosh, what a talented guy that was, you know. Uh, so... Even if you're not into those movies, there's there's definitely some great acting going on uh, in there. Julianne Moore was in it, and uh, some really good people. Yeah, well, <clears throat> that's what happens if you're a crackhead. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Stand up dead. I'm well, dead for that needle. Uh, you know, I, I imagine there's some really great actors out there that haven't done crack, but I could be wrong. <laughs> but uh, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence has done crack. Probably not. <laughs> so uh, hopefully she'll hang in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so... She was she was very good and, and um, sad to see great talent uh, go to waste, but it happens, I guess. So, so who knows the new Star Wars movie? What comes out in 2015? Is that it? I think so. Yeah. Um, really moving it along. So, see, uh, see if 
Fats will live up to the hype. I don't know if there'll ever be one of those movies that, I mean, there's, it seems like there's always going to be tremendous hype with Star Wars movies because they're, it's, it's got such a following, you know? Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people like it. It's like, it'll be 50 years from now and there will still be Star Wars and Star Trek movies, don't you think? I mean, that's like James Bond. It will just never go away. I don't know. Right, don't you think? Oh, Star always... Trek, you mean? Or Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, both. Oh. Don't you think they'll keep making Star Wars movies and Star Trek movies and, and James Bond movies, too? I mean, why not, right? I guess so, yeah. Now that Disney owns Star Wars, probably, yeah. yeah I mean, Lucas, yeah, he doesn't, he, it's on autopilot for him, right? I don't know yeah. how much involvement he has in the new one, but, I mean, it's, he's, he's done his thing, and now it's part of the machine. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Didn't, and, we saw George Lucas one time, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, that'll give it this podcast a little bit more credibility you know right. we actually saw George Lucas one time at a Mel's drive-in <laughs> yes. so I think that gives us you know a little bit of a, a more credibility you know talk about Star Wars on here it's not like we're just a couple of dudes talking about Star Wars We've actually seen you know, George Lucas before. That's a good point. When you put it like that, I, I feel so, I feel so, um, what's the word? It just, it, it, it's, it's, I feel like I should be in some basement somewhere with like dim lighting and comic books, uh, you know, all, you know, all over the place and uh, Warcraft on the computer, like <laughs> We're just a couple of dudes talking about Star Wars. It's like, oh my gosh, this is this is my life now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. The, the, the only reason I brought it up, not that it's there's nothing wrong with talking about Star Wars, not even though it's there's like you know probably a thousand forums on the internet that that does that. Just the um, I just saw the thing about the trailer that. It's getting a lot of buzz because everyone's now getting all excited now that they got a, you know, an 80-second look into this thing. But um, coming from an acting point of view, I think it's a good argument that you, you wonder if at least that'll improve because uh, it's definitely not one of George Lucas' strengths. And maybe he can blame somebody else. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if he's to blame on that but you would assume since he was the director anyway yeah all right well we're about uh we're about at the time here i suppose um, we should start telling some jokes <laughs> <laughs> well all right so if jj abrams directed um directed uh, wayne's world three would you watch it <laughs> yeah it would be, um, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> that would be. I don't, has, I don't know if he can, well, I guess he can do comedy. Uh, there is some funny parts in Lost, right? Yeah. So, why not? That, it would be great to see him do something that would be very 
out of genre. Like, I think he could do a really good Dumb and Dumber, probably. Yeah. I think it would, be, it would be a very smart, stupid movie. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, stupid, but not to the point where you really feel like you need to, like, uh, claw your own brain out of your skull, stupid. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Maybe, maybe he should do the next uh, Dumb and Dumber movie if there is one. Yeah, the next 20 years. All right. Where they're both, where they both look really old. <laughs> uh, and then one last question, Mike: Have you ever ripped your pants by like bending over or doing a squat? Uh, no, but I think it would be cool. You, you seen, you know, there's. Uh, you ever see those movies where like the guy just rips off his tuxedo or something like the espionage movie or one of those where they just have they can just take their whole suit off and they've got other clothing yeah i'd like to be able to do that just being like in a subway in new york or something and just like rip off all my clothes uh to show other clothes and have people look at me like wait did he just do that <laughs> <laughs> that might be funny then like you have you have uh you have superman Walking around, but he's you know he's Clark Kent, and he bends over and his pants rip. He's like ah hell, all right. So he just rips everything off, and then he's Superman. I had my shoes rip once, where like it the the shoes uh, came apart, where the it, it was just like flapping, like the the sole was detached from the rest of the shoe, so it was just kind of flapping around and the point where you like man i wish i had some duct tape or something because if you, you you could barely walk with them because it, it was noticeable that it's they were like worse than like hobo shoes <laughs> um but i can't say that's ever happened to my pants that would be i don't i don't think i've ever had pants that were like tight enough where that would happen uh, well i did that today and so now these pants are toast so, so your, your pants are pretty tight, is that what you, what you were saying? Yeah, well, now they're a little bit looser now that that happened, oh. but they were tight. Hmm. So I guess they were too tight. They were definitely not relaxed fit. No. So anyway, well, we should probably end it there. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and uh, check us out next time we make an episode. This is the extreme low-budget uh, version. Hopefully we'll have a... Uh counter, whether it be female or I was going to say female, but it doesn't have to be female, right? Uh, a fellow comedian or improv person to um, continue the uh, beautiful world of, of uh, what do you guys want to do podcast. That's right. Okay, well, bye everybody.